Hello there, I'm Minister Paula Cornett. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast, Revelations from the Heart. I am so excited about what the Lord has in store for you today, and I hope that you will be encouraged by today's message. I'd love to stay connected with you online. You can go to my website at www.paulacornett.weebly.com. Well, grab your Bible and let's get into today's episode. Hello, friend. In today's episode, episode number nine, we will be concluding with the series Foundations of Faith. And congratulations to you if you've listened to all six of these episodes. Hopefully, like the writer of Hebrews encouraged the audience, that by now you should be a spiritual rabbi. Now, in order for a structure to stand, it must be built on a firm foundation. As believers, our foundation must likewise be built on solid, foundational, biblical principles that are found in Scripture. Now, in this series, I went over the six foundational principles that were laid out in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. And let's go there quickly, and we're going to review, and then we're going to get to our final foundation. Um, The Bible says in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. We established that the word perfection is the Greek word teleates, which means a moving upward into a higher dimension. It pictures a student passing from one grade to the next. So we know and understand that God wants us to keep growing, that God wants to elevate us to the next level, that God wants us to to keep moving forward and to to keep um, not just stay in the same place, but to keep moving forward. Okay? It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance, from dead works. Now we found out that repentance is a decision. It's not based in emotion. It may have some emotion with it, but crying is just remorse and it doesn't signify repentance. That the fruit of repentance is going to be a change in behavior. You're going to make a turn in the opposite direction of where you're going. And so the fruit that we can see from repentance is there's going to be a change. You're going to there's going to be a change in your behavior. The next one, it says faith towards God. We found out that that was the Greek word pestistes epitheon. And it is a faith that is not standing still, but that it is a faith that is projected towards something. And it's up on God. It's the picture of complete trust. That you're trusting in God and God alone and not nothing else. Not your good deeds, not your church attendance, not your good works, but you're trusting in Christ and his blood alone this brings us to the third one which is baptisms and notice that baptisms is not a singular but that baptisms is plural and we found out that there are three separate baptisms that take place in the life of the believer one is done by the holy spirit at the moment that you repent the holy spirit baptizes you into the body of christ it's a supernatural happening that takes place he washes you in the blood of Jesus Christ. The second one is done by Jesus where he baptizes you into the power of God. And this baptism is optional, but it's definitely necessary to do the work of God because you need the power of God. You need God's power to do his work. And lastly, the last one is done by believers and where you are baptized into water. And although that's not essential for salvation either, but it's definitely essential for obedience. And so you want to make sure that you have all three because God wants you to be complete and whole 
and to have all three. And then it says that um, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands. We found out that our hands are very, very, very important tools that God uses to release his power, to release his blessing upon uh, people that is trans transfers his power, his blessing, uh, encouragement can be passed through the hands. And we saw several examples from scripture where the laying on of hands was so, so very uh, important and just so very, very foundational. And it's one of our doctrines. And it's one of the things that we need to do that, you know, you need to use your hands, not just to um, keep them in your pocket all the time, but use your hands to lay hands on people. And the scripture tells us that we, the believers, shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so to get the full effect of that teaching, you need to go back to the archive if you haven't already done so and make sure that you listen to that particular teaching because it's very, very powerful how God uses our hands. And last week we talked about resurrection of the dead. We talked about the resurrection of Jesus and we talked about what the word resurrection means. It's the word anastasis. It's the Greek word that means a, to stand up or just literally to be resurrected. We found out that Jesus said, when he says that I am the way, I well, no, he says I am the resurrection and the life in John eleven twenty five, I believe it is. And when he says that, he is saying that I am stand-up power, that I have the power and the ability to put you back on your feet again. And we also found out about the resurrections that it talks about in Scripture, that there are three separate resurrections. There'll be a resurrection of the dead in Christ. Um, at, at the, that will happen simultaneously with the rapture of the church, that the dead in Christ shall rise. And we also found that there'll be a resurrection of martyrs that died during the time of the tribulation. They will be resurrected. And also there'll be a resurrection of the unsaved and the unrighteous. So there are three separate resurrec resurrections that will take place. The greatest power that has ever been displayed on the face of this earth ever that will ever be displayed on the face of this earth is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And that same power that raised him from the dead, the Bible tells us, lives on the inside of you and me. So if you're a believer, that power lives on the inside of you. So no matter what life is brought at you or thrown at you, you have the ability, God has the ability and the power to make you stand up again. And this brings us to the last one, woohoo, woohoo, the last foundation, which is eternal judgment. And so we're going to get into this and pull this apart and explain uh, what exactly this means to you as a believer. If you're a believer in Christ, it's a good thing. If you're not, you're going to see that it's not going to be a good thing. So you want to make sure that you make Jesus your Lord and Savior because things are getting ready to wrap up real soon, folks. And we're going to be standing before God uh, sooner than later. So let's just begin to look at this, um, uh, the doctrine of eternal judgment. Okay, I have to admit, I did have to chew on this last one of eternal judgment. I had to chew on this one for just a little while before I was able to kind of get it recorded. So, um, but it's it's pretty awesome, you know, as all the others have been. And so, uh, we're going to, this is our last foundation of faith, which is eternal judgment. And, you know, I think it's very, very important that we as believers, we know what awaits us, what awaits us in the future. And that, you know, we can rest assured that if you're in Christ... Something good 
is waiting for you on the other side. Now, the Bible says in Revelation 20, 11 through 15, it says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. The books were open. There are books written upon um, each and every one of our lives. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, this is referring to the great right throne judgment that will take place after the millennial reign of Christ. This is not for Christians, but this is for unbelievers. It's for the unsaved or the ungodly, where they will be judged. All right. Now, what awaits believers? We will not have to stand before the great right throne judgment. But there is a judgment or an evaluation or a time of designation that will take place in the lives of the believers. Okay. Now, we won't have to stand uh, before God for the sins that we've committed because our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Thank God. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So we don't have to be in condemnation. So what is the judgment seat of Christ? What, is, what, is, what does that mean? What, 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 what is all that talking about? Now, the Bible says, Paul, well, it says in Romans, and Paul talks about the judgment seat of Christ. He talks about it twice. Okay, in scripture, it talks about it in Romans 14, and he talks about it again in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. So let's look at these scriptures really quick. Okay, and in Romans, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to kind of pull out a couple of verses from it because we're going to look at uh, some words in it. It says, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So then each one of us shall give account of himself to God. Again, that's Romans 14, 10 through 12. Now, the Greek word, uh, the word Greek word for the word stand is uh, peristemi, and it means to stand, not to crawl or grovel. There will be no shame here. So this is not a time of shame, uh, but this is a time of rewarding. All right. Now I'm going to read this next part straight from Rick Renner's um, Sparkling Gym because he puts it. I couldn't sum it up any better than this. But this is going to look at the word uh, for judgment seat. It says the word judgment seat is a translation of the Greek word bima, a word that describes an official place where judgments and rewards were rendered to those who stood before an official judge. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul used this word to empathetically warn us that a time will come when each of us will stand before Christ, answer for what we have done, and be rewarded or not rewarded accordingly. The books will be opened and everything will be made known, including the motives of men's hearts. So there's a day coming where we will have to all give an account for what we've done here on this earth, whether we've been obedient to what God has told us to do or if we haven't. Now, the word, the Greek word for give account, it means to give a factual report of our life. And God already knows there anyway what we've done, what we haven't done. He knows the motives of our heart. Now, this next verse, I want to just kind of pull apart some of these words here 
but I'm going to read it first in its entirety in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. It says, for we all must appear. This word appear is the word phaneros, uh, which means apparent, revealed, or visible. It also means manifest. Okay? And then we already looked at what the judgment seat meant. Okay? That it's a place where a judge gives judgments or rewards to those that, that stand before him. And then it says that for, for we all must, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one, each one is the Greek word hekastos, which means all-inclusive, no one excluded. So that means everybody's going to have to stand before. If you're in Christ, everyone's going to have to stand before him, whether you've been saved for 20 years or two years or just saved the day before he returns. We're all going to have to stand before him. It says that each one may receive. The word receive is the Greek word komizo. It means to receive what is due or what one has coming to him. So we're all going to have to stand before Christ. We're all going to stand before God and give an account, rather, for the things that we have done. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, I'm not going to read this, but I'm just going to kind of sum it up. But it says, it talks about how that, you know, we will be tried by fire. So what we have built in our lives will be tried by fire. Okay? And so our motives, our obedience to what we've done, it will be tried by fire. And if we're not obedient, those things could go up in smoke. But the good news is that if you're in Christ, you're saved. So, you know, that's okay. And so, you know, if you're in Christ, that's a good thing. Even if it goes up in smoke, it's still a good thing. Okay? So God wants, to, wants us to do what he's told us to do while we're here on this earth. Because we all have to give an account. It kind of puts things kind of into a different perspective, I believe. Because when you live your life according to that, that, you know, this is not just for here. It kind of makes you check your motive and check your heart uh, continually. Why are you doing what you're doing? Or if you're doing what you need to do or supposed to be doing. Because we're all going to have to stand before God for that. Now, the Bible in Matthew uh, 25, it gives account of the parable of the talent, talents. And if you are familiar with that story... Is where a master comes and gives talents to three of his um, three people. And he gives them each different ones according to what they can handle. And he goes away for a while and he comes back and to, to settle up with them and see, you know, what have they done with what they've been given. And the first two, they doubled theirs. But the last one, he didn't do nothing with it. He went and hid it. And so um, the Bible gives... An account of that story and it says in Matthew 25 19 after a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them okay and this word reckon is the Greek word uh I always have a, this one's really long y'all okay logazinomai <laughs> I believe that's how you say it I might not I probably ain't saying it right but I did the best I could and it's a bookkeeping term that means to compare accounts it pictures an accountant who puts together a profit or a loss statement, a thorough examination of books. So this uh, master came to settle up with the servants, okay? And so he was expecting to receive something back with what he had given them, okay? 
So what kind of reward can believers expect? What, what's the reward that we can expect to receive? Well, the Bible gives us five uh, crowns that are given in Scripture that will be given to believers. The first one is the crown of incorruption. And these are those who practice self-discipline. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 9.25. <clears throat> the next one is a crown of rejoicing or the soul winner's crown. And this is in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. The next one is the crown of righteousness. Number three, the crown of righteousness is for those that have lived a holy life. See, there's a reward for living holy. You're not just doing it, you know, just to be doing it. But there is a reward for living a holy life. And it is the crown of righteousness. And 2 Timothy 4, 8 talks about that. Number four, there's a crown of glory or the pastor's crown. There's a special crown that pastors will receive for their obedience to the work that God has given them. That's why, you know, you got to make sure that your motives are right and your heart is right in all that you do. 1 Peter 5 and 4 talks about this. And the fifth one is the crown of life or the martyr's crown. And this it, it talks about that in James 1, 12 and Revelation 2 and 10 refers to um, this particular crown. Now, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 and 8, he says, Finally, there is later for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So what crown awaits you? Can you say like Paul that there is laid up a crown of one of these laid up for me? I know one thing. I'm I, I want to receive a crown. I definitely want to receive a crown. You know, I think about when I think about the crowns in Scripture, I can't help but think about this, the um, if you ever seen the movie Narnia and it's the first one where. It's just Narnia, you know, it's, it's like a the story of these siblings, these four siblings that go to stay with a relative and stumble upon a magical closet where they go through the closet and it opens up into this whole nother world. And it's an adventure. And while they're there, uh, it's just a whole lot going on. But it's, it's a really interesting um, story. But at the very end, there's this uh the part at the end where they come before like the throne and they're ushered they're ushered in by the, this big lion okay they come into to the throne and they receive their rewards for what they accomplished there in that you know on their adventure what they accomplished and so each sibling is given a particular crown and it's placed upon their head and then they sit on the throne and so I think about that but how much more when we stand before God to receive our reward you know, there'll be some people that will stand before him that won't receive anything because they haven't done anything. And so, you know, while they'll make it in, they're not going to have any reward, rewards. And so I, I know, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I want to receive some rewards. I remember when I was in school, we had award ceremony that I attended quite often throughout my school career. And I remember getting tongue-tied here. I remember, say it slowly, I remember one particular time uh, in eighth grade uh, that comes comes to mind most vividly uh, where it's like at the end of the school year, it's like one of the last days of school, and they uh, put us all in the gymnasium, all the eighth graders in the gymnasium, 
And it was there that, you know, they called our names to receive reward. Now, some kids didn't get a thing because they didn't do nothing. So they didn't get nothing. And some got a couple of things and some went home with a whole lot of things. And say, well, Pastor Paula, did you go home with anything? Well, yes, I did. I did the best that I could do. Uh, and I went home with several, several words. In fact, they called my name so much I was sick of hearing my name myself. So, but that was wonderful. And it's good to receive accolades, you know, in the natural. But how much more is it so wonderful to receive an accolade from God for your service and for what you did here on this earth and how you lived for him and how you lived right for him? So, all of those that are in Christ will stand before God one day in order to receive our reward. And the sinners will stand before the great white throne of, of judgment. But they will stand before the great white throne judgment. And they will receive what is due to them from God. So this episode, it concludes the series, Foundations of Faith. The very last one is eternal judgment. That you can gauge your own level of spiritual maturity by how well you understand these foundational truths. And if you haven't listened to all the episodes, I highly recommend that you do so. Because just as the writer of Hebrews was admonishing the audience to mature, I too am admonishing you to mature in Christ. Because that's what he wants for his children. And it's time to go to the next level. It's time to be elevated to the next level. Remember the writer of Hebrews emphasized that Christ is supreme. And that if you reject Christ, you are rejecting the greatest gift. Jesus is so amazing. He's so wonderful. And as believers, we are to walk by faith no matter what we're going through or will ever go through because Christ will never abandon you. Before you can move any further, you must analyze your life. Have you given your life to Christ? Have you repented from your sins? Is your faith in God alone? If you have not given your life to Christ, you can do so right now, right now, today. In fact, say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, save me. I repent before you for the sins I've committed, and I ask you to forgive me. I give my life to you. Show me how to live for you. Reveal your purpose and plan for me, to me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you've said that prayer, be sure to email me and let me know. And I rejoice with you today because by accepting Christ, you've made the best decision that you will ever make. Let us close with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you today, Father God, for those that are listening to this podcast. I thank you, Father God, that as we end this series on the foundations of faith, Lord God, that now we're able to build upon a good, solid, firm foundation. I thank you, Lord God, that you are great and mighty, that you are awesome that you are wonderful. Thank you for stirring the hearts today of the people, Lord God, that as they hear, Lord God, that they will continue, Lord, to study your word, to seek out your truth. I thank you that your word is alive and powerful, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that your word is truth and that your word stands the test of time. Father God, you be glorified. You be lifted up. You be magnified. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Remember, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God.
Thank you for listening to Revelations from the Heart podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with someone in your life. Share this podcast on your social media networks. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and you can find the links to all my pages at my website at www.paulacornett.weebly.com. God bless you and hope you will take time to listen again soon.